Well, praise the Lord. Haven't you been blessed this morning? Amen. Thank you so much, all those who had a part. And uh, we're thankful. I'm thankful that you're here. Good crowd. Uh, Tis the season. I hope you've got everything in line and everything done. We come uh, this week to preach on hope. Last week, we lighted the candle for faith. And this week, uh, uh, we're going to light the candle, these first two right here to the to your, uh, your left, it represents hope. And uh, boys, what this world needs now more than anything, the prophets in the Old Testament had a hope for a Messiah. And uh, they got the Messiah. We have a hope for the Messiah to come again. And I want to tell you, just as sure as he came the first time, he's coming the second time also. And uh, we're also known as the prophecy candle here. It assures us that we can have hope and God fulfills those property, uh, uh, prophecies. Uh, if you would, turn, if you would, to 1 John chapter 3. And I want to preach this morning on hope, but not just any hope. I want to preach on this hope. This hope. Uh, this hope is a lot better than just any hope. Uh, and I, 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 tell, I just tell you, man, if we could ever get a hold of this as children of God, it would change the way we live. It would change everything about us. 1 John chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Would you stand, please? Honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. The Bible says, 1 John 3, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. Woo, that just make you shout right there. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now, not, not we will, now are we the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We've never done that. No one's ever done that. We've seen him as he was. We saw him on Calvary. We saw the nail-scarred hands. But when he comes again, we're going to see him not as he was, but as he is. And we're going to be just like him. And every man that hath this hope, this hope, this hope in him purified himself, even as he is pure. Father, speak to our hearts, Lord Jesus, how we need this hope today more than ever before. Lord, I ask you, let me speak what you've laid upon my heart. Don't let me add to it. Don't let me take away from it. But just use me as your tool to get the message across that you want today. And then, Lord, may the Holy Spirit have freedom in this place. We sense you're in this place, and not just because we're here. Lord, we're sensing that you want to manifest yourself and do a work. We ask you to let it be so. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Every day, I, one of my hobbies is watching people. We go to the mall, and my wife shops, and I watch people. And I go to Sonic, and I'm in line, and I'm watching people, and I go to the restaurants. I love to watch people. I tell her I'm watching for terrorists. In case somebody's there, I want to be the first to, to duck <laughs> uh, or pull my gun, whatever. But anyway, uh, I love to watch people. And when you're watching people, 
uh, they've got a, a distinct look about them. They're, I don't care whether they're children, whether they're young people, uh, whether they're young adult or whether they're senior adult. You can see it in their eyes. There's a look about them. And the look is, as you're walking around or you're, you just turn on the news, you see that look. You, you study statistics, you see that look. You, you, you listen and there's another suicide. You listen and there's more cases of depression. You listen and there's another divorce. Somebody else gives up. Uh, every person has emotion inside of them that is real. You stand by the bedside of a loved one, and you're searching. You're wanting a nurse or a doctor to come in and tell you some good news because you've already understood it's going to be bad news. All those people are searching for this thing we call hope. Hope. This hope. Hope. The man on the side of a road with a sign that says, help me or feed me or I need a home. He, he's searching for hope. The drug addict that goes from reform to reform or, or from meeting to meeting, they're, they're searching for hope. The, the, the couple who's decided to throw up their arms and say, we, we can't make it. They're really searching for hope. The one who struggles with religion after religion, what is really the right way? One after the other. And then they get down into a church and they do everything they're supposed to do. They, they're baptized, they're church membership, they're speaking in tongues, they're doing good works, they're praying, they're doing all these things, all that are morally right. Now listen to me. You can't find hope in a bottle. You can't find hope in drugs. You can't find hope in religion or in money, or in fame, or in fortune, or popularity, or Hollywood, or Capitol Hill. You can't find hope in Mecca or Muhammad. And people are looking everywhere, and they're anxiously seeking for hope. And I'm thankful this morning that I found it. Yeah. Amen? Now, technically, because I, I got preachers that listen to me and evaluate this. Technically, you didn't find hope. Hope found you. I want you preachers to understand that out there today. I know that. You didn't get up one morning and say, well, I'm going to go looking for God. No, God been searching for you all along. You, you thought, well, I'm just here by accident. No, God had you here for a purpose. And it, it, the purpose is that you leave here with this hope. I'm here to tell you the child of God, our hope's not in some idea. It's not in some institution. It's not in some education. It's not in the Southern Baptist Convention. It's in Jesus. And that's what we need to, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. We've got hope, and I'm thankful this morning for the child of God. Our hope does not change. Our hope in Jesus does not sway. Our hope in Jesus does not lose itself. It is as reliable as Jesus is himself. This hope, this hope, this hope. Now I want you to turn back to John chapter 14. John 14, we, 
We know this scripture because we use it at so many funerals, especially the first six verses. But I want to tell you, I, I want to just take time this morning. I'm, I'm, my sermon is real short. Only two points, 32 sub-points, but two points, all right? <laughs> so I want to take time this morning to read this scripture. I, I tell you, the more you read it, the richer it gets. John 14, we'll be here the rest of the time, so just turn right there and follow along with me. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said unto him, Lord, we don't know whither thou goest. How can we know the way? Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth you know him and have seen him. Verse 8, Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. And Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. How sayest thou then, Show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Verily I say unto you, uh, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, and that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I'll do it. Verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I'll pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I'll come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. Whoo, that's rich. At that day, ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. Verse 21, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I'll love him, and I'll manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? And Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he'll keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, 
Whatsoever I've said unto you, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You've heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If you love me, you would rejoice. Because I said, I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it come to pass, that when it is come to pass, you might believe. Hereafter, I'll not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh, hath nothing in me. But that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise, let us go hence. I hope you'll reread that and reread that. I want to tell you the two phrases that I want to major on this morning are found in verse 1, and they're found again in verse 27, and it's simply this, let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. And then he puts some icing on the cake in verse 27, and he goes on to say, neither let it be afraid. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus had been with them for three and a half years. He's going to leave them. But he's saying, hey, and they're all upset. We, we, we understand the same thing. When a loved one goes away from us, we're, we mourn, we're upset, we're, we're missing them. But Jesus said, listen, let not your heart be troubled. I'm not going to leave you comfortless. This world that we live in today is in a mess. It's in a mess. I paid a dollar and seventy five cents a year ago for gas and my soul I've got to take a loan out now to buy it and we hadn't got to the to the cold front yet most of us are going to throw a tent and burn some firewood to try to stay warm because we're not going to be able to afford the natural gas God help you if you own butane this world's in a mess politically it's in a mess we're to the place where we cannot even decide a gender. Now, now, I'm not trying to be funny, young people. Listen to me. If you come to a place in your life and you're a teenager and you can't figure out what gender you are, you come see me. I'm not saying that to be funny. I'm saying I'm going to take the Word of God and we're going to sit down and you're going to leave there knowing what God created. Amen? It's not me. I, I don't get the option of saying I'm whatever I am. I have the option of saying, yes, Lord, yes. Whatever you made, that's what you made. And then God help us. We, we can't even figure out what a real marriage is. We can't figure out that it's one man and one woman for life. We, we're all messed up. This whole world's in, in a mess. And I'm telling you, lots of trouble all around us. I'm looking here in, in my prayer life and through our staff and through the prayer requests that go on here. There are many of you who have been in a lot of trouble. Many of you, some of you have sold your homes just to try to make ends meet because you've lost your job. Some of you have been through sickness. Some of you have gone through death. You've sat there and watched your loved ones and it's not like it has been before when Papa died and, and Papa died and everybody, 20 or 30 people gathered in the room and we rejoiced and, and had, nobody can be in the room. 
You've gone through troubles and you've gone through trials and you've gone through tribulations. And my only hope to you today is to let you know that Jesus is still real. And that the personal relationship with Jesus Christ can meet every need you've got. Don't care what they are. Now let me give you two things here. Number one, we've got a hope for tomorrow. A hope for tomorrow. Hallelujah. Hey, verses 1 through 4, we, we don't have any idea what's going to happen tomorrow. We have no idea. I mean, you can, you, you can walk out this uh, door here. and uh, I remember not very long ago, uh, I wasn't here, but a tire fell off a truck half a mile up the road and came and hit this one brick wall right here, tore the whole bricks all to pieces. You could have been in front of that brick wall. Hey, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I remember I've told you this story before, but I remember Becky and I and, and a doctor were visiting one night, and we knocked on the door, and this lady turned as white as a sheet. And she said, uh, wait a minute. And she ran on back in the house, left us standing out there in Port Arthur in kind of a not a real great neighborhood. And uh, uh, she came back, and she said, come on in. We went in there, and... and uh, she said, uh, I was on the phone with my mother. She lives in Canada. This doctor we were with lived in Canada too, was raised there. His mother still lived there. She lived 10 miles from where her mother was. She said, I was on the phone with my mother. The only thing we had, we had a card that she had been to a fall festival. And we knocked on her door, her and a little girl and her husband. We knocked on her door and said, we don't like to tell you about Jesus. She said, I was in the bedroom talking with my mama. And I said, Mama, I need to be able to understand this thing about salvation. And, she, and her mama said, Honey, I can't explain all of it to you on the phone. I'm going to pray that God has sent somebody to your house to explain it to you. Now, I'm going to tell you. We sat there, and that lady got saved. Her husband wouldn't get saved. He, he said, I, I know I need to. I'm just not ready. I sent two or three teens back. The fourth time we were to go back, my two deacons said, Preacher, we've been over there. I said, Humor me and go one more time. One more time. They went over there and he got saved. He said, But now look, he, he was three times bigger than I am. Three times. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. Am I exaggerating? I'm not exaggerating. Amen. <laughs> I know y'all don't believe me, but you believe her. Amen. And they said, he's not going to come down the aisle. He's too embarrassed. He's not going to come down the aisle. I said, well, look, oh, you know he, he got saved. Now, that Sunday morning, he was the first one to knock people down to get down the aisle. Got in his car that afternoon with him and his wife and kids to go on vacation. Stopped, first of all, in Conroe at a motel. Died in the middle of the night in the bed. Hey, he wasn't counting on that. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We're sitting at a red light Sunday night. My wonderful chauffeur was driving me. Bam! You get hit. Hey, I wasn't counting on that. Didn't have time to fool with it, to be truthful. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Have no idea. Disease. But I'll tell you what we do know, based on this word, we do know that we've got a heavenly home. Amen? Verse 2 he said, in my Father's house are many mansions. Now, some of your translations may say room, and you go ahead and satisfy for that if you want to. 
But I'm telling you, he's building me a mansion. Woo! I mean, it's going to be something like I had not seen nor ear heard what the Father has in store. Amen? We have no idea. To be absent in this body is to be present with the Lord. If this old earthly tabernacle dissolves and it blows all to pieces, I got a new tabernacle going to be built with not human hands. Wow. We think sometimes this life is all there is. But I want to tell you, I'm going to a home where there are no more funerals. There are no more sicknesses. There are no more sorrows. There are no more cemeteries. There are no more funeral homes. That place called heaven. We've got a heavenly home. No sickness. <laughs> Woo, no sorrow. Good grief. I, I man, every bone in my body has ached. And I know some of y'all are a lot worse shape than I am. I think about some of you as I see. Get up each week and get ready and come here to the house of worship. And I think, good grief. You know, we ought to be ashamed of ourselves. We've got a heavenly home. Not only do we have a heavenly home, we've got a heavenly hope. A heavenly hope. Verse 3, he says, I go to prepare a place. If I go there, I'll come again. And I'll receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Mm. I'm not looking for government to take care of me. I'm not looking for any handouts. I'm telling you what, I've already got my home in heaven. Jesus is up there waiting on me. And what we're seeing now is nothing more, if you read Matthew 24, everything we're seeing now, pestilence and sickness and sorrow and wars and you saw this week uh, looks like Russia is getting ready to uh, attack Ukraine again this first of the year and you're going to see wars and all that all of that you're doing is laying the groundwork to hear the shout and to hear the trumpet sound it's going to happen our heavenly hope now this week there's a new bug on the horizon my soul, I hadn't got used to the old bug yet. Could I? I'm not a prophet, but I'd like to prophesy just a little bit. There's going to be another bug after this one. And there's going to be another bug after that one. And until we hear the trumpet sound, we're going to have put up with it. Now, I know I, I'm talking, and I know some of you listening there, you think that we're going through the tribulation. I personally don't think so. I think the church is going to be raptured out. You say, preacher, uh, that word rapture is not in the church. No, Trinity's not in there either, but I believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So let's forget about rapture. Let's just rename it. There's going to be a calling up. Amen? That's in there. That's in there. Come up, he said. There's going to be a calling up. But whether we are here or not, our hope is still in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to a place. We've got a heavenly home. We've got a heavenly hope. And I'll tell you what else. We've got a heavenly homecoming. Mm, Jesus said, I'm going, but I'm coming back. And here's the good part. He said, I'm not coming back to try to get you all to build up your houses where you are and, and kind of help your income where you are. He said, I'm coming back. And I'm going to take you back up there where I live. Hmm. How many of you in this place got somebody that's already over on the other side? 
Yeah. You get my age and you get to the point where you got more on the other side than you got on this side. Yeah. But I'll tell you, there's going to be a homecoming one day. Those that we love, those that are dear to us, there's going to be a homecoming one day. I have not seen nor ear heard what the Father has in store. We're not hopeless. There's going to be a reunion. Our family, our friends, our loved ones. Some of you I'm looking at this morning, you've had little children that were born, and you buried them the very day they were born there. You're going to see them again. There's going to be a homecoming. All that in heaven. We've got a hope for tomorrow. Amen? A lot of folk don't want to think about tomorrow, though. I think it's important because what you do here today determines where you're going to spend tomorrow. But the truth is this. Overall, I'm talking to some people this morning that you know your hope is set up. You know you are saved and you're all right. And I'm talking to some people this morning, though, they're, they're not... They're not worried about their hope for tomorrow. But I've got some better news for you. Not only do we have a hope for tomorrow, we've got a help for today. Hmm. You see, there's a lot of families today. I know, we used to be one of them. That every Sunday, you would try to make sure you had enough groceries for lunches for every day and clothes had to be washed and everything. You, you wasn't near as worried about going to heaven as you were of just trying to make it through the week. Get all the kids where they're supposed to go and everybody get your calendar out and you take this one this way and you take that one this way and you pick this one up over here and you get this one here and you make sure there's food on the table and I want to tell you, there are many, many months, many months that uh, the need far outweighs what the amount of money is there. And you find yourself having to make choices. We've got some help. And verses 4 through 31 talk about that help. Let me just, I, I'm going to go quickly, real quickly, I promise. The first thing is we've got help in salvation. He, he said in verse uh, uh, 5, Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where thou goest. How can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way. You want to know how to be saved this morning? You come to Jesus because he's the way. We listened last night as Michael O'Brien was here. What a wonderful concert. And he made this statement. The statistics show that 67% of Christians do not believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. And I'm wondering, what are they reading? I mean, this is not even close. It's not even a gray area. Yeah, I mean, it's just straight. But you don't want to hear straight anymore. People don't want to hear what's straight. They want to hear what comforts them. I'm telling you, the help for salvation is in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what salvation is all about there. There's not a lot of ways. There's only one way. There's salvation in no other name but the name of Jesus. He is the way to salvation. You say, okay, preacher, I'm going to come to Jesus. How do I know he's the way? Well, look at what verse 6 says. Jesus said, I am the way. That's how you get to salvation. I am the truth. That's how you know you've been saved. You want to know you've been saved? Get in the truth. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. As the old preacher said, when the devil, I don't know, maybe he don't bother y'all with this. He wears me out trying to drag up my past. 
If you knew what my past was, you wouldn't even let me up here. The only thing I've got is I know what a lot of y'alls are too. <laughs> hey, we're all sinners. We all got a past. Amen? But the old preacher said, when the devil reminds me of my past, I just remind him of his future. Yeah, my, my future's going to be in heaven at home. His future's going to be in hell. Lake of fire. Totally. You want to know the truth? Get in the Word of God. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth. And, and you, you, how can you be saved? You be saved through Jesus. He is the way. How can you be sure? You be sure to get in the truth. He said, I'm the way, the truth. Well, then how can I be satisfied? Preacher, that's the biggest thing. My wife is never satisfied with anything I do. My husband never satisfied with anything I do. Young people say, the teachers are never satisfied with anything I do. How can I be satisfied? Well, look at verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. You want to be satisfied? You've got to get in the life of Jesus. You've got to get in the lifestyle of Jesus. Only Jesus can satisfy. Nothing else is going to satisfy you. It's not going to help. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. So you got help for salvation. Some of you this morning, you need to quit playing church. You need to quit goo-gooing around. And you need to own up to the fact that if you died right now, you'd go to hell. And you need to be saved today. There is no reason, there is not a reason for someone to leave this building without a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, i got to retract that because I do think you can send away your day. But the fact that you're in the house of God this morning probably tells me that you had not sent it away yet. You need to be saved. Not only is there help, though, for salvation, there's help for service. Verse 12, Verily I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I shall do, he do also. Greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. I had a preacher this week. I don't know, everything I try to do, it don't work. I can't build a church. I said, well, that's an idiotic thing to do to start with. That's above your pay grade. Jesus said, I'll build my own church. You, you don't have to worry about building a church. Hey, we don't spend a lot of time in staff members talking about how to build a church. We spend time talking about how we're going to minister to people. When you do what God calls you to do, he'll build his own church. That's why when people say, I'm not getting fed here anymore. Hey, there's 99 other Baptist churches within 10 miles of here. Go find one where you can get fed. It's the craziest thing in the world for you to sit in a church and not be happy and not be fulfilled. That's just crazy. We're living in last days. He, he, he says, I will help you. How in the world are we going to do more than he did? Well, the Bible says that Jesus, when he was here, was limited by his physical ability. Now, we're in a church. Every one of us are filled with the Holy Spirit, if you're saved. Every saved person here is filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just tell you. Everybody's not going to like this, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you the truth. When you got saved, you got all of the Holy Ghost you'll ever get. You, you won't get no more. Now, you need different fillings. Woo, you need fillings. Not every day. You need about every 10 minutes. You got to be filled constantly with the Holy Spirit. But when you got saved, the, the Holy Ghost is a person. 
Brother Wes is here. Either he's here or he's not here. Brother Aaron's here or he's not here. I had people, when, when the revival was out in Pensacola, I, so help me, people in my church would say, hey, uh, we're going down to Pensacola. We're going to get a little touch of that and bring it back. Like we're going to go down there and cut the Holy Ghost arm off and we're going to bring his arm back. No. You either have him or you don't have him. And this morning, if you've been saved, the Bible says you've been sealed to the day of redemption. You, you got him. You just need to be more filled. Well, how do I get filled? I've got to do this. I've got to do this. No, there's a simple way to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Empty yourself of the crud. When you empty yourself, the reason some folk are not filled is because they're too full of their own self. You've got to get rid of all your junk and let the Holy Ghost come in and fill you up. Mm, he'll help you in your service. Jeremiah 33, 3, call unto me and I'll answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Now, just touching on this, Brother Case is going through 1 John, the tremendous job, and he mentioned this scripture here, verse 14 or 13, whosoever shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, there's a lot of, uh, well, there, there are things there that you've got to do. Yes, there are. There are. He doesn't mean you just come and ask anything. It's got to glorify the Son. I'll never forget. Oh, my goodness. It was 1987. It, it was, uh, actually, it was January of 88. 86 and 87 had been a horrendous year. Becky and I had left a great church to go to this church that we thought, what well, we knew God was in it, and he was. But it was painful. She cried every week. Our kid was the only one in the nursery. Nursery worker smelt like smoke. I mean, it was, it, it was just a mess. And I had this crazy idea. I'd been an Aaron, minister of music. I had this crazy idea that God said, if you preach the word, people will come hear it. I found out real quick, people don't want to hear the word. What they wanted to hear was what they wanted to hear. Now, this was back in 1985. And I was at an evangelism conference in Tarrant County Convention Center in Fort Worth. And I left and went across the street to my hotel room. And I got on my knees at the bed. And I said, God, all I've ever wanted to do was build a church. That's all I've ever wanted to do. And you're not helping and it was like the Lord sitting on that seat right beside me and said, I'm not interested in building churches. Now, you don't think that won't blow a Baptist preacher's mind up. I mean, you know, that's what we're here for. We're a coach. If we don't do good, you fire us. We've got to build churches. And I prayed a little bit longer. I said, Lord, I don't know. And then I thought, Lord, I'll tell you what, I, I, I'm wrong. I, I just want to see people saved. And the Lord right there on that bed said, I'm not interested in seeing anybody saved. And I done got down on the floor as low as I could get. You couldn't go any lower. It was a concrete floor with carpet on it. And I was as low as I could get. And about 2.30 that morning, I said, Lord, all I want to do is glorify Jesus. And it's like Jesus said, 
Oh, the father said, oh, if you want to glorify my son, I'll help you build a church. If you want to glorify my son, I'll help you win souls. If you want to glorify Jesus, I'll walk with you. I'll help you serve from sunup to sundown. <laughs> I got to hurry. He gives us not only the help for salvation, the help for service, but the help for surrender. Verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. And then look down at verse 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me and he loveth me shall be loved to my Father. I'll love him and will manifest myself to him. Wow. He's going to help us surrender. When we love him, he loves us. And I'll tell you, we surrender. And then the Spirit in verse uh, 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 16, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you until you sin. Mm. No, that's not that word. Forever. I looked it up. It's still forever in the Greek. It means forever. Now, I don't like what a lot of Baptists say. Once saved, always saved. I've been saved. I've been saved. I lived like the devil for 30 years, but I was saved. No, you wasn't. I believe in the eternal security of the believer. But I also believe in the eternal insecurity of the unbeliever. In other words, there's a lot of people said, I got saved, that they didn't do nothing but quote a prayer and sign a card. And I'm telling you this morning, if you got saved, you got the Holy Ghost forever. forever. That's what the Word says, isn't it? Forever. Now, if you didn't get saved, you don't have the Holy Ghost forever. But if you got it, you got sealed. And he says another comforter. That means it's like the one that was here. Who was here? Jesus was here, but another comforter's coming. Paracletus is the word there, and it's one just like the other one that's going to come alongside us and help us. That's the Holy Ghost of God. He's going to come alongside us. Now listen, because immediately people who say, I don't believe in the security of the believer, the, the number one thing that they quote, and I understand it, is people think that sometimes you can be saved and live any way you want to live. So the security of the believer is not a license to sin. It's not a license to, to do your own thing. The security of the believer is a license for you and me to live in victory. We've, our hope is in Jesus. Our home is in heaven. That's the security of the believer. And then I close, it's a purpose. You say, preacher, I, I can't break my lifestyle. I'm doing this, and I just can't break it. I can't break it. Hmm. Then you ain't got this hope. Because if you have this hope, you have been filled with the Holy Ghost of God. We're talking God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So don't sit here and tell me that you can't break a habit if you've been filled with the Holy Ghost of God. You can. I'm not telling you it's going to be easy. I'm not telling you you're not going to fall. You will fall. Thank God First John 1, 9 is in there. 
You will fall. But I'm telling you, don't cop out and just say, well, this is the way I am. No, it's not the way you are. If you've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, you have the Holy Ghost of God living inside of you. Do you realize that's the Godhead living inside of you? <laughs> Let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. Eric Barker was a missionary from Great Britain to Portugal. He'd been there over 50 years. The true story that during World War II, they told everybody you need to leave Portugal. It was getting really bad. And he took the advice for his family. He had a wife and eight children. And then he also had a sister with three children that were there with him. He put them on a boat headed for England. And when he got up that Sunday morning to preach, he just read the telegram. And he said, I've just received word that all my family has arrived safely home. And the church just shouted. It was glorious. It was wonderful. As the service went on, the full meaning of his words became known to the congregation. He wasn't talking about home in England. He was talking about home in heaven. A torpedo had hit the boat and everybody on the boat had drowned. But he went on with church as usual, said, my family's made it safely home. L let me encourage you something that would help me or help Brother Case or help whoever is going to preach your funeral. Sit down, take a piece of paper. It don't have to be elegant, just so we can read it. And when you finish with it, put it in an envelope and say, open the day that I die. And sit down and just say, preacher, I want to assure you that I have trusted in the blood of Jesus Christ and that my sins have been forgiven and that I'm doing everything within the power of God to live a godly life and I'm looking forward to leaving this earth and going to heaven. You do not know what a relief that would be for a preacher. Because about half the time we're guessing. And we don't want to make nobody mad. But I'll be honest with you, at the same time, guys, we can't preach people into heaven. We can't stand in this sacred pulpit and make up a bunch of junk. That's why this morning, you need to know that you've trusted in Jesus. I don't care how old you are, how young you are. You need to know. How are you going to let not your heart be troubled? Well, the only way I can figure it out is to know that you've got a place going here when you leave here. If you think your troubles are bad now, you leave this earth without Jesus and you find out what your troubles are going to be. Would you bow your head? Maybe in this place this morning, our instrumentalists come and prepare for the invitation. Maybe you'd just like to say, Preacher, nobody's looking, every head bowed, every eye closed. I, I, I'm not sure if I'm saved, but I do know that I don't want to go to hell. I'm just not sure, and I want you to pray for them. Nobody's going to come to you. Nobody's going to say anything to you. I, all I want to do is pray for you. I just want to pray for you. Would you just slip up your hand? from all over. Thank you. Thank you. Just slip it up and put it down. Anyone else?
Preacher, I, know, I, I don't know if I'm saved or not. I'll be honest. I think sometimes I am and sometimes I'm not. But I do know I don't want to go to hell. I know that. And you want me to pray for you. Slip it up. Thank you. Now, if you're sitting here this morning, you say, Brother Charles, I know I'm saved. But I'll be honest, I worry about everything. There was a time when I used to surrender to the Lord, but now I, I, I just kind of go with the worldly gossip and call people on the phone and say, this is this, this is this. And, and I just get more depressed and more depressed. And what I really need now more than anything is a fresh touch from God. Would you just pray that God would just touch my heart and my life? Would you just slip up your hand wherever you are? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hands all over. Lord, this is your church. Here's your invitation. Many of us in this place are your people. And Lord, it would be my desire along with yours that every one of us be your people. So I pray you to have your way in the lives that are in this place today. Lord Jesus, would you save those that need to be saved? Lord, don't, don't let them make another excuse. Save them today. Father, would you let this altar be filled with people crying out to you. Oh, God, have mercy upon us. Lead us in Jesus' name. Amen.